Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. A fellow by the name of John Gardner, he was the founding chairman of a um, 501c3 called Common Cause. And he writes this. He said, it's a rare and high privilege to help people understand the difference they can make. Not only in their own lives, but also in the lives of others. Simply by giving of themselves. Let me say that again, because I think it's important. I want this to hit home. Okay? It's a high, it's a rare and high privilege to help people understand the difference they can make. Not only in their own lives, but also in the lives of others, simply by giving of themselves. Gardner goes on to write this. He tells of a a story of a cheerful old man who asked the same question of just about every new acquaintance he fell into the conversation with. Here's what he would say. He would say, what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? That's the question he would ask. So the little old man would go up to somebody and instead of saying, how are you? What do you do for a living? Here's the question he would ask. What have you done that you, are, that you believe in and are proud of? And are proud of. Now, again, think about this. It was an unsettling question for many who had built their lives on self-esteem, on their wealth, or on their family name, or their exalted job title. Could you imagine? You see, because I'd rather take the time and tell you how wonderful of job title I have, or my wealth, or whatever it is. But he comes and he says, no, 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 here's the thing. It's not that he was a fierce interrogator. Because he was delighted when he asked this question and the woman said, I'm doing a good job raising three children. Or the cabinet maker who said, I believe in a good workmanship to practice it. Or by a woman who said, I started a bookstore and it's the best bookstore for miles around. The little old man goes on to say, I really don't care how they answer. Just want to put the thought into their minds. They should live their lives in such a way that they can have a good answer. Not a good answer for me, but for themselves. That's what's important. I thought about this story, and I think about the man who would go to you and say, hmm, really? What is it that you believe in and that you're proud of? Well, if you recall, the book of Matthew wants to take us from being simply church attenders and make us disciples. He wants to pull us into that discipleship where we become fully devoted followers of God. Can I get an amen? That's what what we're called to do. There were probably many in Jesus' day that followed him at a distance, but they never took the step into discipleship. You go, well, Ben, no, no, no. See, there was only the 12. No, there was the 12 that Jesus taught, but there were many disciples. There were many disciples, and God is calling us to be disciples. So, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are actually given the answer. The answer, yeah, what do we believe in and what are we proud of? You see, we're given the answer, ready? When we fully understand the resurrection of Jesus. 
we're given that answer. You see, here in the text, we're given what most people call the Great Commission. The Great Commission. But when we really translate it into our lives, here's what it is. Jot this down. It's resurrection purpose. Resurrection purpose. You see, every one of us in our lives is looking for meaning and purpose. What am I here for? What's my purpose? That's what we're looking for. Apart from being loved, a lot of people want to feel loved. We, we want purpose. Like I was put on this earth for something. And here, Jesus is going to give us that purpose. How so? Well, if you recall, the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't just some event that you and I celebrate every spring by getting a ham and having people over and kids running around in, in, in beautiful clothes and looking for Easter eggs and so forth and so forth. No, 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 no. It's much, much more than that. You see, the resurrection gives us hope. It gives us freedom. And now it gives us purpose. It gives us purpose. You see, today, you're here with purpose. With purpose. Man, that's, a, that's, there, that's all you need to know. That's all you, you can go home now. Just kidding. Stay there. <laughs> what have you done that you believe in and are proud of? We can say we have become fully devoted followers of Christ and are proud that we're making a difference in all the lives of those who we come in contact with. That's what you can be proud of. So as we jump into our text, let me remind you what we talked about last week. If anything, church, proves the kingship of Jesus Christ, it is his resurrection from the dead. That's, that's what proves his kingship. So last week, guess what we saw? We saw that the stone was rolled away and an angel was sitting on that stone. The guards were so stunned that they either passed out or they were just rendered immovable. I mean, that's how stunned they were. You see, it wasn't something that they saw every day. It wasn't a common occurrence. But they, the Bible says, were like dead men. Dead men. Now, you ever, you ever see a dead man? They don't move. They're, they're done. They're done. But we learned some things that are very valuable. We learned them last week. You go, what are they? Number one, if you recall, when Jesus resurrected, there was an earthquake. There was a major earthquake. Okay? Now, we had learned that when he died, there was an earthquake. And historians say that it was actually felt 600 miles away. I don't know if you felt this, but I think there was a word earthquake here just the other day. Did you feel it? Nathalie said, the house shook just a little bit. I didn't feel it here. But can you imagine an earthquake so great that graves opened, stones rolled away, dead people came out alive. Hello. Auntie, Uncle Joe, seriously, whatever it might be. And over 600 miles away. But, but there's another earthquake. And you go, okay, Ben, what was the point? Here's the point, okay? I believe today and always God 
uses things like this, earthquakes and so forth, to try to get our attention. To try to get our attention. You see, the Lord Jesus isn't sitting up in heaven, moving his hands like this, going, boy, I'm going to freak them out. They're not going to know anything's hitting them. No, he's going, I'm coming. Be ready. Come on. And sometimes he uses earthquakes. And sometimes he uses that still small voice that says, are you ready? Are you are you all right with God? What are you doing with my son, Jesus? Sometimes we'll see signs in the heavens. Guys, whenever I see the most beautiful sunsets, I go, wow, Lord, there's a great God. Sunsets and sunrises. And then sometimes, sometimes you'll hear a news article and it makes you shake your head but it's the Lord saying, I'm getting ready to come back. You see, the world we live in is about to change. It's about to change. Judgment, and I hate to say it, church, the judgment of the Lord is going to befall a world that has asked him to leave. God is always trying to get our attention. And he often does it in a way we can relate. So my question to you and those of you watching online and those of you listening via podcast, and maybe you're, you're on the radio right now, but listen, is God trying to get your attention once and for all? The second thing we learned, the second thing we saw was we saw an angel, right? Now an angel comes from heaven and rolls back the stone from the door. Other gospels say there were two angels. But this one in Matthew says, he rolls back the stone and sits on the stone. Okay, now what you need to know is that a guard in the Roman Empire consisted, let me see if I get this right, a guard consisted of 10 guards. When you say, let's set up a guard to guard the tomb, it wasn't just one guy. It took 30 Roman soldiers to roll the stone over wherever Jesus was. The stone weighed weighed over 2,000 pounds. So it took a lot of men. You know, I mean, Francis is a big guy, but it would take 30 of Francis's to get that stone rolled away. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. Here comes this angel, and he's like, watch this. And he sits on it. (laughs) Right? How did you roll away? Oh, that's that's nothing. I eat stones for breakfast. No, he didn't say that. I'm just saying, (laughs) here's the point. Why did he roll away the stone and sit on it? Most people think it's to what? To let Jesus out. What he does or Jesus is knocking. Hey, (laughs) hey, let me out. I'm alive. No, 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 no. He was already alive. You know what he did? He rolled away the stone to let us in. He rolled away the stone. You go, well, Ben, think about, think about this. Think about this. And this is so pertinent, right? What was inside that was covered by a stone? It was a grave. It was something that was dead or something that was decaying or something that was rotten. You understand that? Okay? And so last week, we talked about what stone have we covered because of hurt or pain or fear or anxiety that we said, Mm-mm, 
And the Lord wants us to roll away that stone, and I'll tell you why. Because there's something in there that's dying that needs to be alive again. It needs to be alive again. And that's the whole point. I am very good at rolling stones over my heart. I'm very good at covering those things. I don't want to be hurt anymore, so I'm going to protect my heart. Not so with the Christian. If we're going to be identified with Christ, we need to let the stone roll away, and that might involve some hurt, but it also might involve some forgiving of people who have hurt us. What is in your heart? And what I love about the Lord is the Lord right now is starting to, to work in your heart, unbeknownst to me, and you go, you know what? I didn't realize. I thought I had dealt with that. I thought I had taken care of I thought I had forgiven. And he's going, and, and it's not that it's not, you're not saved, and he's going, well, if you have that stone in your heart, you're not going to heaven. No, he's going, no, 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 listen. I want you to be the best version of you, and so if you want to walk closer to me, let's roll that stone away. No, Lord, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh, it hurts. He goes, listen, it's only my touch that's going to bring healing to that. Only my touch. You and I, let's be honest, we're screaming, no, because it hurts. That hurt. And I won't dare let any of you touch it because it hurts. But if you let the Lord Jesus in his touch can bring healing. You go, Pastor, what should I do? Go to the Lord. Say, Lord, here's my heart. I've, I've rolled a stone over it. Here's the, here's the hurt. Here's the issue. Here's the, whatever it might be. And I'm asking you, would you please, would you please heal that? Would you please heal that? And he comes in and he goes, ah. The third thing we learned last week. The angel is sitting on the stone. Now he's not sitting there smug or like this. <laughs> Look what I did. Here's what he's doing. Guys, he's signifying that Jesus has actually conquered death. So you don't have to be afraid to die. You're not dead. You've just moved. You just moved. And, and that, that's the beautiful thing it is. Like, like, here's the thing. We might, we might, we might, I hope not, I hope not, I hope not, but we might lose some folks this year. But that doesn't mean we're not going to see them again. It just means they moved. They graduated. But the angel sitting on the stone is to signify that no enemy of God could come back and roll the stone over the place again. It shows complete victory. You know, I mean, think about this. What if, now you have 30 guards. What if they're like, oh, an angel, and the angel like leaves. And it's like, what would you think? Roll the stone back. Why? I don't want people to see that he's not there. And what would it do? It would create doubt in the life of believers. It would create doubt. You go, what does that mean? In your life and in mine, 
when the Lord begins to roll the stone because he wants to heal our heart. Okay? Make sure you have the angel sitting there so nobody comes in, even yourself, and says, no, 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 no. Because it'll create doubt in who God is in your life and in mine. And in that area, you begin to go, oh, I'm not sure if God really wants to do this. The angel shows victory. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, notice with me, Matthew chapter 28, verse 4. It says, And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, here's what I thought about the guards. You guys remember, there were 30 guards. Now, the way they would do this is one guard would stand watch and the others would sort of sleep and make sure it was, it was okay as long as some guards were awake. Now, here's the point. This is a very, this, this is the start to a very distraught life. And you go, how so? Well, we're going to see later on that these guards are going to get paid off to lie. Okay? But when we think about the rest of their lives, could you imagine? They saw an angel. The tomb was bright. I mean, you can imagine. They, it took how many of us to roll the stone? 30 of us to roll the stone. And this guy, whoa. I mean, this is just everything. This is, this is worse than Ripley's Believe It or Not. I mean, you just, you, this is not good. And then they saw their prisoner, whom they didn't even want the job, is, is not there. Oh, this is not good. This is not good. I believe it's going to affect the rest of their earthly lives. And last week we talked just a little bit about the guilt that they were going to face the rest of their lives. And it tied in so beautifully to humans because... Do you realize that most people in insane asylums and in therapy, the reason they're there is because they don't know how to get rid of the guilt. The guilt of doing or not doing. But that's where we pick up our story. Let's talk about the guards. You guys ready? Picking it up today in verse 11, it says, Now, while they were going... To, going Behold, some of the guard, notice there's not an S because remember, these were, these were a, a bunch of them. They came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that happened. Now I need to take you back for just a minute because we need to go back to verse 10. It says in Matthew 28, 10, then Jesus said to them, he's talking to the women, do not be afraid, go and tell my brethren. Now you guys see in verse 10, he says, my brethren, my brethren. He says, that's, that's family, that's familia, okay? That's family. He's not, if Jesus was mad at the disciples for a in the garden, he would have said, go tell them dudes. <laughs> go, you know, he'd be mad. They're not even my disciples. Go tell those fishermen. No, he says, I'm not mad at you guys. I love you. Go tell my brethren. Where are the disciples? Their knees are shaking. They're at the upper room going... Oh, 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 they got him. They killed him. Oh, and Jesus like, go tell my brethren. Go tell my brethren. Here's the point. You guys ready? You ready for some good application? Here's the point. Guys, think about this. No matter what you've done in your past, Jesus hasn't disowned you. He's still family. Even when you've denied him like Peter, 
Even when you've um, not been bold for him. Even when you've made bad choices. Come on, somebody. Just me? He's still going, I understand. I forgive you. You're still family. You're still family. We're not like that, are we? If somebody in our immediate family does something horribly wrong or makes a bad choice, sometimes we write them off. Our own family. I cannot believe how some people do that. And yet Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Go tell my, go tell my brothers. These are my brothers. This is my family. Go to Galilee. He says, and I will see them there. Go to Galilee. So the resurrected Jesus tell the women, don't be afraid. Go tell the disciples what happened and to meet him in Galilee. Very, very simple. So they run where the disciples are hiding out. Okay, here goes the women. I find it interesting that in my crime brain that, that if you really wanted to find where the disciples were, you would follow the women. You, you know that? I mean, it was like, there goes some women. Hey, that's Mary. That's Mary Magdalene. Follow them. We'll get those disciples. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. You see, at this point, the enemy thought it was over. He killed Jesus. He killed Jesus. Now, these guys are scared. Not a problem. Well, the, while that's happening, instead of the guards following the women, they go Where? They're going to see, and in, my bo- and in my notes, I put an underline with a question mark. Who are they going to go see? Who are they going to go see? Well, you go, well, Ben, the word, the word told us. Well, they're not going to see Pilate. Okay? They didn't have a call into Caesar. Why? They knew that Pilate was on thin ice right now. He needed to keep the peace. We're not going to go to Pilate. But they also knew, guess what? that the penalty for falling asleep, letting the prisoner escape, was death. Right? You actually took the penalty for their crime. The one place you did not want to go is your boss. You understand that, right? Some of you understand that. When you're at the workplace and you break something, you don't go tell your boss. Oh, yeah. That's the same thing, only it was life and death. But the text tells us, guys, that they went to go tell the chief priests. They knew, listen, think about the mindset. They knew that the chief priests, the elders, the Sanhedrin, all of that gang, that these men were anxious to cover up the miracle as the soldiers were themselves. So after they, okay, gather around. What do we do? He's not there. Do you see the angel? I see the angel. He's looking right at me. He looks like lightning. I know. That's pretty freaky, isn't it? Well, we need to do something. Well, what should we do? Well, I think the chief priests want to cover this up too. Ready? Break. And that's where they want to go. That's where they want to go. So where do they go? The chief priests, the elders, the soldiers, they're going to do something. What are they going to do? They're going to put, to, they're going to put together a story that would explain the empty tomb. In other words, people are going to find out how we're going to explain this. How are we going to explain this? Hey, I, I got an idea. Let's tell them the body was stolen. Let's tell them the body was stolen. That's probably a good idea. Like nobody's going to find out a rotting corpse anywhere, are they? Come on. But let's, let's, that's a good idea. Now, now think about this. I wonder, guys, put your, put your wondering caps on. I wonder how the story went. You go, what do you mean? 
So they go up to the chief priest. They come in. Here's a bunch of guards. And they're like, hey, we need to talk to you about something. Oh, yeah, what is it? Um, listen, um, how did the story go? How did the story go? Uh, well, listen, we were, we were all wide awake. You know, because we couldn't sleep. We took, we, we took some, uh, you know, some no-dos or something. We took some who couldn't sleep, right? Well, you know, Fred over here made a pot of coffee right before. So we're all awake, okay? And all, all of a sudden, we were sitting there, and, and I, oh, I think it was an earthquake. Yeah, I felt it. Did you feel an earthquake? It was an earthquake, and it was so bad that the stone rolled away, and then, and then, and then, um, you guys get the point. I don't know what the story would have been like, but I know there's some good application. Why? My question would be, did they tell them the truth? Or did they fabricate a story to save their own lives? What do you think? Dun, 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 dun. Right? Well, I wonder what it'd be. Here's a nugget that we can glean for our lives. You ready? I would hope that the guards, regardless, went to the chief priest and told him the truth. I saw an angel. He sat on the stone. Jesus is alive. He resurrected. He's not in there, I promise. That's what we saw. And we were so afraid that we were rendered as dead men. And you go, Ben, why would you think that? Here's why. Because we can apply that to our lives. When we come to Jesus, come on, somebody. Tell him the truth. Tell him the truth. Tell him your struggles. It's okay to tell the Lord your fears. It's okay to say I'm broken. Why? He knows anyway, guys. But what we do as human beings is we try to fabricate that we're not okay. That we're okay when we're really not. We try to we try to be like the oh yeah no I'm I'm I, I I'm no I'm good and that's exactly how how you doing I'm good no you're not and I think we don't need to embellish or fabricate who we are we think we're trying to save our own lives but in the end we're going to lose them and it's important when you come to the Lord and 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 I'm not saying that we're all broken but there are times when 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 we are and it's okay to be honest I don't like it when Christians judge other Christians because we're broken well if you would just read the Bible a little bit more you wouldn't be all messed up well if you would just go to church five times a week you would that's not it there are sometimes that we struggle there are sometimes that we're broken there are sometimes when we're we have anxiety and there's sometimes we have fear and sometimes we're stressed out and we go Lord, this is where I am. Can you help me? Can you help me? Here's the beautiful thing. You can be so honest with God because he knows your heart anyway. He knows your heart. But I'd rather the Christian be honest and, and people of integrity than, than try to be something they're not. And, and, and oh no, I'm... I'm I'm good. I'm good. Listen, if your marriage is struggling, talk to somebody. Don't just go through it. How, how's it going? Good. Good, good. Doing well. Doing well.
and then and then six months later, well, no, we're divorced. Hadn't seen him in church. Been divorced. What happened? Oh, well. Quite honestly, what it wasn't okay. And what we've done, churches, we've removed God out of the whole the whole equation. We've we've put him over here, and we, and, and, and 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 again, that's just a nugget. That's just a nugget. Take it, take it for what it's worth. Don't don't embellish. Just be honest, Lord. Lord, I'm going to be honest. Church, that's why we should pray for each other. That's why we should pray. Because we're not okay sometimes. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we're, we're, you know, questioning our Christian faith. It doesn't mean we're backsliding. It just means that we're not okay. I'm not okay. Wow, well, but you're the pastor. Who's going to lead us? I'm not okay today. I'm okay today. It's good. God is good. God is good. See, all of us, church, listen, must start to take ownership of our mistakes and even the bad decisions and respond in order to correct matters and transform things and make things right. We must, we must come clean before God, repent, change, and let him transform us and become all that God has created us to be. That, that's what he's talking about here. Verse 12. And when they had assembled the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. Can anybody say bribe? Bribe! <coughs> and uh, 13, saying, tell them, tell who? Them, whoever them are. His disciples came at night and stole the body away while we slept. That's their story. That's their story. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want you to note the silliness of the story. I mean, it's silly. First and foremost, here's what I see, right? And I see that these guys get a large sum of money to lie. Okay? Okay, here's what we're going to give you guys. Don't worry. We're going to take care of you. There's more where that came from. Wink, wink, wink. But here's what you have to say. You have to tell people, hey, what happened to the body? Well, while I was asleep, the disciples came and stole it. But here's what I started to wonder. How long is that going to last? And I wonder if they would extort the chief priest. They would keep coming back year after year. Hey, if you want me to keep that, if you want me to keep that story, if you want me to keep that lie, I need a little bit more. My wife's been bugging me for a brand new chariot. Let's go. I was thinking of putting a jacuzzi in the house. Hey, what? I don't know. But the story itself is silly. Why? Because notice what it says. It says, <laughs> tell them... His disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. Now, here's my question to you. How many of you can see while you're asleep? You know what I'm saying? The silliness. Well, how did you know it was his disciples if you were asleep? I just knew. I could feel. I could. I smelled them. What? I mean, it's the silliness of the story. Now, think about this. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is okay. Here's what I wrote. Okay, here's what I wrote. While we slept, the disciples came in, and they quietly snuck in. Right, quietly. There's the guards. It would be instant. They'd be on the cross the next day if they were busted. But they, they snuck in. And 12 of them broke the seal. 
which was, which was instant death, rolled the stone away. You understand, it was up against rock, okay? So it's like... You, 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 it wasn't just like... John, quit talking! It wasn't anything like that. And, and then, how many of them... I mean, okay, put a blanket under him. And then 12 of them carried the lifeless body out. The, listen, I've been to Israel. The, the door's only this big. You have to duck to go in. It's silly. It's silly. It's silly. And they tiptoed out of the tomb with Jesus. That's what we're going to tell people. Guys, this is false news. This is a lie. It's false news. If anyone posted the truth on social media, let's just say it's today. And on social media, here goes the truth. An angel came down, rolled the stone away. Jesus was alive. He was sitting there like lightning and he was white as snow. Guess what would happen? Fact checker, this is a lie. Are you serious? And the story would be quickly shut down. Come on, somebody. That's the world we live in. Now, I'm being humorous in this area, but I want to prove the point that, again, we have to stick to the truth of the word of God. There's a lot of false news out there and a lot of fact checkers that are trying to dissuade us and cause doubt in our God. You go, well, they're not saying anything about God. No, no. There's a lot of fact checkers. If somebody posts something about God, that they'll come back and say, this is not a true story, or it's been removed, or you're in Facebook jail. All of that stuff. All of that stuff. The fact remains. You ready? Ask the soldiers. They all slept while the disciples stole the body. That's the news. They were all asleep. Sounds silly, does it not? And yet many people today don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I will say, listen, here's what we celebrate. We celebrate the resurrection. And here's what it means to us. It gives us hope. It gives us freedom. It gives us power. And it gives us purpose. And they go, ah, I don't know if Jesus really raised from the dead. That's a, that's a far-fetched story, don't you think? Hmm. I bet, he's, I bet he's buried in one of the other tombs there. I bet. And they don't believe because they don't want to believe. Blessed are you, church. Blessed are you that believe without seeing. It's a hard thing. You go, I believe. Do you remember when you first believed? Do you remember? I believe. I believe. And everything changed. Everything changed. Well, it goes on. Notice verse 14. And and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews till this day. The soldiers would have faced what? Punishment. Death. Because they failed to what? In their duty to secure the tomb. But the we and the you are emphatic here in this text. Why? He says, we shall take care to persuade him to keep you from trouble or basically save you from harm. 
Now, how could they do this? How, did, how much power did the chief priest have? Well, think about this. Pilate was on thin ice already. He was about to get fired. Do you understand that? He didn't want anything going back up the line to Caesar. Caesar was already, I mean, basically in, in employment terms, this would be his third write-up. And if he got written up again, he would be fired. You understand those terms, right? And so he's like, no, no, no. I don't want anything to my boss. Let's, you guys just chill. Whatever you want to do, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm over here. I'm over here, okay? So if the Jewish people, particularly the chief priests, the elders and that, basically began to riot or, or stirred an uproar about the body or about the Roman soldiers or anything else, and Caesar caught hold of it, Pilate would be kenned. So the chief priest had some major leverage on Pilate. So said, don't worry about it. Pilate's not going to know. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. Just tell people... The disciples came and stole the body. Now, let me make one more point on these guards. No amount of money could change the truth. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw an angel sit on top. They saw an empty tomb. They observed no one going in and no one going out. And yet, these were the same guys that saw Joseph and Nicodemus put Jesus into the tomb. Okay? If these brothers didn't get saved, if they didn't believe, let me just say this, major therapy awaited them. You understand that? More likely than not, church, listen, to appease the guilt of lying and living a lie, come on somebody, they probably drank to numb the pain. They probably did drugs. Some people will turn to food. Other people will, will go into relationships, unhealthy relationships, toxic relationships. Other people might do gambling. Whatever it is to numb the pain of the guilt. And you know what I thought? I thought, I don't know if that really happened, but I know it's a metaphor for life. You go, what do you mean? Many people today know that they're sinners. I don't have to stand up here and say, you're a sinner, repent. We know that. And more likely than not, many people that are not believers are living with the guilt of life. The guilt that they've made choices. They made bad choices based on however they were brought up. And now they're living with that guilt. What do I do with this guilt? I don't know what to do. I, don't, I feel so bad. I, I just, ugh. We've all made bad choices. We've all done bad things. We've all fought bad things. And so here's the point. The point is, many people have done things contrary to the word of God and life is full of guilt. What do we do with our lives when we don't measure up to God's standard? We live in guilt. And then we try to suppress it with so much. That's when the gospel comes in. You see, the all-purpose guilt remover is Jesus Christ. The all-purpose. Guys, you go, what do you mean? Do you remember when you confessed your sins? Lord, I am sorry. I have made some bad choices. I have really blown it. Please forgive me. And what does he do? He comes in and he takes away the guilt 
and he throws it from the east. You don't have that guilt anymore. Why? Because when God sees you, he doesn't see you anymore. He sees his son, Jesus. That's the gospel. When you put your faith and trust, you're going to stand before a holy God. Not a, not, I, I don't want Ben to stand before God. <laughs> no way. Well, Ben, you're good. You're a pastor. No, 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 no. I'm going to stand and I want him to see Jesus because that's the only way I'll get into heaven. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Well, what do you do with the guilt? Man, I've made some bad choices, guys. I made some bad choices growing up. Bad choices. I did some bad things. I did some bad things. Things I'm not proud of. What do I do with this guilt? You go, what do you mean? Well, okay, let me tell you a story of something that I did bad when I was real little. Had to be maybe, I don't even know what age, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Okay? So my mom dies when I'm little. Okay? My dad finds another wonderful lady. At, I'm, I'm, I'm at the age of five. You understand that, right? So she kind of moves in the house. And she says that she wants to marry my dad. Well, my dad, being faithful to my mom, said he didn't want to marry, but he would love the companionship. So now my dad has a girlfriend. Well, one day, this girlfriend, whom I love dearly, don't get me wrong. She's gone off to be with the Lord today. And, uh, but I love, I mean, I love her to death. But at that time, she made me mad. Maybe she scolded me. Maybe she tried to discipline me. I'm not sure what she did. But I remember going outside and I remember finding a nail and I remember putting it up against her tire so when she backed out, she would get a flat. Never told her. True story. What do I do with that guilt? Boy, Ben, you were just a kid. You understand we do these silly things, don't you? Now, maybe you didn't. Maybe some of you snuck out the window at teenager and shunta. But anyways, the point is, Only Jesus comes and he removes that. When you put your faith and trust in him and he gives you a new life. And that's the beauty of the gospel. He takes away your pain and your guilt. You know why? Think about this. The judge, God the Father goes, not guilty. There's no guilt. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Well, let's say goodbye to the guards and let's finish with our purpose verse 16 then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain in which Jesus has appointed for them now let me make you a quick note okay this makes me a little sad you go why why does this make you sad you ready for a couple of reasons number one there are only 11 disciples this makes me sad why because Jesus called 12 and Judas we lost Judas we lost Judas and Judas never really, really, really believed. And I think it's really good for us to just check our heart from time to time and say, Lord, where am I with you? I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure I'm okay. That makes me sad. Number two, the guys, you know what makes me sad? Now they're moving. Now they're going to Galilee. Why? Only when the women came and told them the news. So the women come in, we saw Jesus. He's alive. He says, go to Galilee. Really? Okay. Up until this point, the disciples were afraid and they didn't believe what Jesus said, but now they believe the words of women? Here's the point. Ready? How important it is us to always take the word of God over the word of men. They believe that. And here's the point. Here's the point. Let's say you're struggling financially. 
And I've heard this from Pastor Chuck, so I'm going to use Pastor Chuck. Pastor Chuck was in the ministry, and he was about to go broke, and he said, and one morning he was praying, and he said, Lord, I'm about, this is it. I'm going to have to go get a job. I can't do the ministry. It's a true story, Pastor Chuck. And, and so he said, okay, and, and, and so Pastor Chuck, at 4.30 in the morning, he goes to the desk, and he writes out all his bills, and I think in 1960 or 50, he needed, he needed something like $550 to pay off his bills and, and, uh, and so he prays, he says, Lord, if, I, if, I, if, if, if this doesn't come in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resign my pastorate and go into Albertsons, I think at the time, or Alpha Beta, full time. I'm, I'm just going to go into work. He said about 7 o'clock the phone rang, and it was somebody, a friend of his from, from the other part of the States, and said, Pastor Chuck, how you doing? He's doing, I'm okay. You know, Pastor would never tell, he would never tell whenever he had it. I'm doing great, how are you? He said, great, listen, I was praying this morning, the Lord put on my heart to send you $500. I'm going to put that in the mail today. What? All right, praise. Or six, enough to cover and then, and then take his wife Kay out, right? So he hangs up the phone and he's dancing with his wife. He says, I'm dancing like that. Oh, God, you are so good. And the Lord knocks on his heart and he says, how do you know he's going to send that? Well, Lord, he's, he's a man of his word. He promised. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, Chuck, I called you into the ministry. I'm going to take care of you. But you believe man over me. And Chuck always learned that lesson. And I think it's the same thing here. God's going to take care of you, not because I say he is, because his word says he is. You can take that home. Verse 17. And when they saw him, guess what? They worshipped, but some doubted. Now, the Greek word for doubted here implies hesitation or indecision. It's more than unbelief. The disciples are struggling to comprehend what they're witnessing. So if, if you saw Jesus, what would you say? Where are you right now? Would you be the ones that worshipped him? Oh my gosh, it's Jesus! Or you'd be like, is that really him? Is that really him? And that used to make me sad. I was thinking the word doubt. I really thought the doubt was like, well, that's not really Jesus. He's, it's, just, it's a look-alike or whatever. I don't know what they were thinking. But it actually means they were just hesitant. And I wonder, what causes us to be hesitant to believe or to worship? What causes us? You go, I don't know. Answer the question. I think it's what we put in our ear gate, in our eye gate, more than we, than we spend time with the Lord. You see, for me, I think I would be part of the ones that, um, that had a little bit of a hesitation and indecision because of what I've formed in my mind that Jesus should do or shouldn't do in my life. But I want to move from there to the place where I just worship him. Full trust. Jesus said he was going to resurrect. He resurrected. I'm, I'm worshiping. Where are you this morning? Are you, the, are you the doubters this morning? Well, God is good. When I said God is good, you go, maybe. And then some of you said all the time. And, but where is he in our lives? My goal would be to move all of us to a place of worship. Of worship. Just straight up worship. Well, Ben, what's our purpose then? Here it is. Verse 18. And he came, Jesus came, and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Now, what a fitting way to end our journey. Wow. Matthew giving us purpose. You see, Jesus says, guys, I've got a plan. I didn't resurrect for you guys to sit in the sidelines. I didn't sit on the, I didn't sit on resurrect so you can be Monday morning quarterbacks. I want you in the game. Me, Lord? Yeah, get in the game. I don't know what to do. I've got an idea. Let me tell you what, what the Great Commission looks like. What does it look like? Well, think about it. First and foremost, all authority is given to the coach. Yes! In heaven and in earth. And he says, go therefore. You know what go means? It means get up and go. Get up and go. Do something. Could you imagine with me for just a moment what our city would look like if all of us were to get up and go and make disciples of our family and our friends? You see, it takes commitment. You've got to go. You've got to go. Well, if they were really serious about God, they would come to my house. Get up and go. Make disciples. Make disciples. How so? Of all nations. Of all nations. You know what that means? We don't look at color, race, anything. We could, these are people. These are people. What does that look like for our church? Guys, our church, you ready? needs to be a hospital for the sick not a museum for the saints no no you and I are going to go to heaven wounded and scarred and battled and tired and our hand hurting from yielding the sword because we're going after souls in Lubbock we're going after people who need Jesus we're going to be those ones that they need. I don't want to go to heaven looking pretty. Not a, what, what did you do? I got saved and I sat there. I want to get in the game. How many of you want to get in the game? Put me in coach. I'm ready to play. Well, you know, but it's a game and it's a battle and it's a, and it's a war. And you're going to get cut. And you're going to get bruised and you're going to get hurt. And, and let me tell you this. And people are not going to like you. What? I want everybody to like me. People are not going to like you. The moment you take that stand to be his disciple and go and disciple and baptize and be that, that's your purpose. That's your purpose. You go, well, how do I do it? Well, for Mel, Mel might say, I do it musically. I love music. God's going to take that purpose and he's going to make disciples musically, but he's going to make disciples of Jesus Christ not disciples of music. But he's using our gifts. He's using our gifts. Some of you think, man, this job that I have, ugh. but that job is your mission field. And he's not going to let you go from that job until you fulfill your mission. What is that? All right, you got your sword. It's a battle. Let's go. There's somebody there that needs Jesus. Somebody there. All right. But Lord, there's a lot of them coming at me. I know. I know. 
Go therefore, make this up, baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son. What else should we do? Teach them to observe all things that I commanded you. What are we supposed to do? I'm supposed to teach you to observe all the things that the Lord commanded us. That's your purpose. And here's what I love. You're not doing it alone. How so? He says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Listen, when you go out tomorrow and you have your job or you go to school or wherever you're going to go tomorrow or even later on today, God is with you. He's with you. You see, I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. And when I sit here and I joke with you and say that guy on the radio is really, really good, I really believe that because it's the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not me. And I'll tell you why. Half the time, I don't even remember what I say. I really don't sit there and go, it's the anointing of God just moving through me. And I'd rather have that than go, you know what? I've, uh, you know, I just, uh, big old egghead and just, no, no, I'd rather just speak and just let the Lord do his work. And I'll tell you what, he is doing his work. Why? Because I can see you all growing so beautifully. And I can't take any credit to God be the glory. To God be the glory. What a beautiful way to finish this book, is it not? So what's our purpose? You ready? Number one, go. Not right now. I mean, don't get up and go. (laughs) Get going. Church, listen to me. We have work to do. We have work to do. Do not, do not rest in the middle. We can rest in the end. Don't rest in the middle. Number two, we're going to make disciples. We're going to teach them the doctrines of the gospel. We're going to teach them the ordinances of what it is. And whatever they have learned from Christ and then ordered by him, we're going to be in the word of God. Where are we going? All nations. Guys, not just our own countrymen, but all nations. And the only way we can accomplish this is God is with us even to that final moment that we close our eyes forever. He's with us. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, what a beautiful way to end the book of Matthew. You have given us so much. We love you, Lord. Father, may we take what we've learned, may you put it inside us, may we grow incredibly. Father, this next chapter of our lives, Lord, this next chapter of reaching people that are far from you, this next chapter of loving each other, Lord, this is it. This is it. Father, our goal is Lord, to be the best loved, best fed church in all of Lubbock. And so, Lord, help us. We have to do our part. We're not putting it on the pastors. We're not putting it on the elders. We're not putting it on the worship team or the elders. Every one of us is ready to step up to be a disciple. And I thank you for that. With every eye closed and every head bowed and you praying to the Lord, how many of you here would say, you know what, Pastor Ben, um, would you pray for me? I, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm saved. You were saying some things here and, and guilt and shame and, and, I, and I still have that in my life. And, and, but I'm ready to confess that. 
And maybe you're here today and God was knocking on your heart and it's time for you to surrender your life to the Lord or maybe it's time for you to recommit your life to the Lord, whatever it might be. With nobody watching, I'm just going to ask you, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want that. I need that. I'm ready to get in the game. And I just want to give you an opportunity. So, God bless you, buddy. God bless you. I see you to my left. Anyone, just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Anyone else? Anyone else saying, I just need to get in the game, man. I just, I'm ready. God bless you, man. I see you. I'm ready to get in the game. I, I heard what you said. I heard the Holy Spirit. And I'm ready to surrender today. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone else? Real quick. Real quick. And then we'll get you out of here. Real quick. Anyone? Father, I lift and I pray for these hands that lifted. And even those that are kind of going, no, I'm not going to do this. But, but Lord, it's time. It's time for us to confess all the guilt and junk and all the stuff that wants to trip us up. Lord, I, I have a vision of barbed wire around our legs that constantly trip us up in our walks with you. We keep bringing that up. You've taken that away. I'm asking you now, Lord, that, that you'll open the door to remove the guilt, to remove the shame. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a new creation in you. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Save me, Lord. I believe in you, like you said. I believe like the scripture. I confess that you are God and asking you to help me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. Lord, I want to confess all the shortcomings, all the bad decisions, all the drugs, all the alcohol, all the pornography, all the gambling, all the food, whatever it might be, things that are keeping me from walking closer to you. I surrender to you once and for all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.